I just want to be a sheep. Look at that. That's really good, everybody. You were paying attention still. Awesome. Well, after hearing that particular passage about when the Son of Man comes in his glory, which is really talking about the end times, the, the judgment day, and Jesus is, is sharing this with those who are gathered there, who wouldn't want to be a sheep? Right? Who doesn't want to be in the wind column? You know? Who doesn't want to be on the correct side of God in terms of, of this story right here? It, it, it's super interesting how, how so clearly defined this seems like it is and has been used over and over and over again, not just to encourage us to good works, but perhaps to even shame us into good works, which in many ways is also problematic because this scripture passage, like most of them, is problematic, right? I mean, that's the thing about the Bible. I, I just, I, I love when people are like, oh, the Bible is a guidebook for life. Just open it up and it'll tell you what to do. Not really. As we've been learning in our adult Christian education classes, you've got to put some work in. We think about sheep as just being like, well, you know, we just submit to the shepherd and we just, the shepherd will just guide us along and it seems like it's pretty easy, bring us to green pastures and feed us and water us and all of that. Well, for us, as human beings, God gave us a mind, God put some things in front of us, gave us these scriptures written by humans, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they're not, in my mind, just simple directives for us. Because, as Noah and I talk about all the time, and as our Presbyterian and Reformed theology talks about us, we are sinful, broken people. Yesterday, in our Presbytery of the James meeting, we were on the Zoom, and we got Zoom-bombed for the first time. And my son immediately says to me, Total depravity, Dad. Total depravity. Right? That we are completely depraved. That there were people who took the precious time that they have on their hands to bomb our meeting and put up all kinds of crazy, ludicrous kinds of sayings and statements that we finally figured out what was going on and quickly shut it down and started over again. And that's the problem with just reading the scripture and going, oh, well, I understand what this means, is because, just to be honest, our theology says, and oftentimes scripture points to this, that our first inclinations are not necessarily to be trusted. Wow, does that make faith hard. Wow, does that make living as a disciple of Christ even more difficult? It is not easy. And I think that's the message that I often think about when, when people come to church and they're like, oh, I just, I just, you know, I'm sort of looking for this warm fuzzy. I'm just looking for this thing, you know, that's sort of easy and light and all that sort of thing. I mean, Jesus says, my teaching is light, my yoke is light, and it is in comparison to some others. But if we're going to engage the faith, 
If we're going to engage this life of being in, in the sheepfold, it's going to call upon all of our resources. It's going to call out of us things that we aren't necessarily immediately prepared to give. In this scripture passage, and, and what, he's, what he's talking about here is in verse 32, he says, all the nations will be gathered before him. And what he's talking about there is the Greek word there is ethne, which often means all the Gentile nations. So everybody outside of what at that time was thought of as the covenant people are going to be gathered before him. And the son of man, who we believe to be Jesus, is going to be there judging and drawing these people together. And and he's going to put the sheep at his right and the goats at his left. Here's the thing. We denigrate sheep. I think the sheep song, which is so fun to sing, I just want to be a sheep, right? I don't want to be a goat because they've got no hope. Like, it's problematic. (laughs) It's problematic. Sheep and goats were herded together. Why? Because sheep eat weeds. Goats have a tender stomach. They do not eat weeds, or what we would think of as weeds. Goats will eat things and flourish off of those things where goats will not. So you go into a field, there's good grass, you know, nice sweet grass or whatever that, the, that the, the sheep will eat, and then there's the other stuff that the goats will eat. So they often were herded together. And I'm sure that at shearing time, the sheep and the goats were separated because you don't, as far as I know, you don't shear goats. I don't know what kind of coat that would make. If you've ever petted a goat, it's kind of rough. It's kind of like, almost like a pig's hair in some sense. Pet a pig one time. You'll find out. So, so they were herded together. So for the people at the time, they would have said, oh yeah, that's right, because the sheep and the goats, they would have been together. So now, and they do get separated. And then Jesus goes through, goes through this thing. Well, oh, well, here, you, you go on my right, you go on my left, because you on my right... You saw the least of these. And in the Greek, that word means those who are the smallest, those who are the weakest, those who are the least in dignity. So remember, remember that in in this time period in history, in an honor-shame culture, you did not, generally, it was not looked upon with favor to help out someone who could not help you back. Quid pro quo. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. That was the rule of the day. If I did not help someone of lower status unless they could help me somehow. They could return the favor. That's where we get into this whole thing that we still do today, right? Someone, well, we don't do this very much, but someone invites you to a Zoom happy hour. Well, then you got to invite them to the next Zoom happy hour. We used to call this inviting people to our houses or taking them out for dinner, but anyway. You know, this, this sort of tit for tat, somebody's keeping score, you know. Oh, Fred and, and Mary gave us a gift for Christmas. We've got to get them a gift for Christmas, and it needs to match the dollar value level, at least. Or we've got to up them, because that would not be honorable. This is the sort of thing that we still do. So, so in this culture, it was not 
it was not valued to help out those who are of lower status. So if you look at the Old Testament and it talks about helping the alien and the foreigner and the widows and the orphans, this is a radical idea even in ancient times. And especially then in Roman and Greek culture, this idea that you would help someone of lesser status, the least of these, the weakest, the least in dignity, it just, it goes against things. And so, so Jesus says, oh, you sheep, you're going to get rewarded here in the judgment because you helped these folks. You saw people who were hungry and you gave food. You saw people thirsty and you gave drink. You saw a stranger and you welcomed them. You saw someone naked and you gave them clothing. You saw you sick or you saw in prison and you visited. And what's interesting here is the sheep in this story go, when did we see you and do that to you? Well, you did it when you did the least of these, right? Well, that just, I mean, so, so the sheep are doing something that goes against the culture. And they, it seems like here in this, again, in this parable or this image that Jesus is giving, they don't even realize. They're not doing it to get something. They didn't realize there was any eternal reward for this. Whatever it was moved them to care for the least. And it, it doesn't say here. The goats... Jesus says, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do the other thing. And they say, well, they were just, they're just as surprised. It's the same words. It's so interesting. They're just as surprised. Well, when did we see you and didn't do that? When did we see you and we didn't do that? Well, again, they may have just been, because if they'd have seen the Son of Man, right, seen this person who can give them something back, perhaps. Now I'm reading into the text a little bit. Then they might have done that because that person could give them something back, but they didn't, for whatever reason. And so Jesus is like, well, and remember, he's talking to those who are gathered there. He's talking to his people, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the Israelites. And he's also, I'm sure, surrounded by those who are the ethne, the Gentiles. And so as they're hearing this, just imagine the thought process here. What? You mean there is honor in helping those who can't help me? There is something valuable in, in doing something for someone who could never give it back? Wow. It's a real mind shift. And Jesus ties it to the judgment. And so then for those of us who are believers, we take that and we start going, oh, well, well, then we, we you know, we, we've got to do these things. We've got to do these things because, because that's how we get into heaven. At least that's, that's often where our brain goes, right? I, I'm going to do this work to get the A. I'm going to do this work to get that next thing. I'm going to do this because that it goes right into this works kind of theology that, our, that the reformers fought against but creeps in to us because that's just, we just naturally feel that way, 
right? We just naturally go that way. Our culture is still built around that. This supposed meritocracy. You work hard, you get something. You do the right thing, you get something. Well, I don't know that that's true. There are a lot of people that do the right thing and they don't get much at all. So it's not really faith and works. The interesting thing is that Today, in in our denomination, we've started what we call a Matthew 25 emphasis, a Matthew 25 project. You can sign on to be a Matthew 25 church. And what it is, is is you're supposed to put in place things that, that help with congregational vitality, with dismantling structural racism, with eradicating systemic poverty. These are wonderful things. But I find it problematic that we base it in Matthew 25. Because we've got to unpack this. When we look ourselves in the mirror and in the face and we look inside of ourselves, I think the scripture asks us to question our motives. To not take ourselves so seriously. And to call us to be those people, the the people who follow Jesus, who began his life as a refugee and died a convicted criminal. We can't forget that. People who follow that he is our shepherd, that our joy, that our praise, as it says in Psalm 100, our our joy, our praise, our, our desire, our desire to serve others becomes because we know that the Lord is God. It is God who has made us. We are God's. We are God's people and the sheep of God's pasture. And that our joy, our desire to do anything comes from that. And that when we live out of this kind of grace, that that even though we are broken, even though we are depraved, even though we often choose to do the wrong thing, or we often try to do the quid pro quo, that Jesus died for us even in the midst of that and calls us into this new life which isn't seeking after eternal fame or glory. It isn't trying to secure our place in the heavenly realms. It is seeking to live out of this grace and love that has already been given to us that then when it wells up in us, flows out in praise in a way that serves the least of these. That does help to dismantle systemic poverty. Structural racism. That seeks to enliven the faith of individual congregations because we are so filled with the joy and the hope of the one who gave us this new life. And that becomes the greatest kind of thanks that we might give. And so when we come around this table in a little bit, I want you to remember the grace that is being given freely there. We did not earn it. And to remember that Jesus gave thanks as he gave us his body and his blood, his very life that we might serve him and follow him and be the sheep of his pasture. May that be the best thanksgiving and may it fill you every day.
Amen.